0: tx water polo interview we speak to another of usa's water polo legends three-time olympian 2008 olympic silver medalist ncaa champion and mvp and now assistant under coach terry schroeder at pepperdine university he along with adam wright matt farmer and maxwell irving were in dallas last week and i had the chance to speak with merrill about his experiences at some of the most important games in usa men's national team history and Pepperdine's win at the 1997 NCAA Championships. That and a lot more, but here's Merrill Moses. All right, I have to come to Dallas, Texas to meet a three-time Olympian, a MVP of the NCAA uh, Championship game, and and NCA champion as well at Pepperdine University, it's Meryl Moses. Thanks for taking a couple moments to talk with us. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so we're talking on behalf of TX Water Polo, which is the other site that's a sort of parallel to Total Water Polo, and it focuses on stuff that's going on in the state of Texas. You're in the state of Texas,
1: obviously. Yeah. Why? What are you doing here? Uh, we are doing uh, an Azevedo water polo clinic, um, and Adam Wright and I are doing for. The younger age group, 14 and under, that aren't in high school, um, and then we have Max Irving and Matt Farmer doing the high school age athletes, and uh, you know, just excited uh, in these uh, difficult and challenging times to be able to come to the state of Texas and do some water polo teaching, which is, uh, you know, it's good to see that Texas is back in the pool and up and running. You, we had we just came from lunch
0: with a bunch of people, and you mentioned, or either you or Adam said it was good to be back in Texas. Now I know you were here in Houston for the Montenegro match before going off to the Olympics.
1: Have you? What are the other occasions in, that you've been able? To uh, I've been Texas? here uh, with NIAC in Austin. Oh yeah, uh, playing in tournaments, and uh, I just. Always loved the state of Texas, uh, great people, um, and I think it's awesome that water polo is growing here, going to become a high school sport, and would love to see it, uh, you know, hopefully go into some colleges in the near future as well. So you do coach at an NCAA level.
0: Were you, and have you been aware of the UIL process in the state of Texas
1: from Pepperdine, or is it something that, uh, that you've come to discover? Uh, it's just something I've come to discover yeah. because of the, you know, world of water polo. It's a tight-knit community. Yeah, it sure is. And, uh, you know, people are talking and, uh, you know, it's, it's great to see the growth of water polo and then obviously the growth in Texas. Uh, so just generically speaking, like obviously that
0: it probably enhances the market of players that could be going to a place like Pepperdine. Again, we're talking generically. I'm assuming that uh, something like state sponsorship sponsorship of the sport makes a big difference to a coach at your level because
1: it gives it more legitimacy than it would otherwise. Um, I, I don't think uh, college coaches are necessarily looking at that, but it's going to give uh, a bigger pool of athletes to play, and uh, which will, you know, there's a trickle effect, obviously, which will uh, help the clubs uh, be more successful, which in turn will give more video opportunity and also more chances at the Junior Olympics, right. uh, which uh, a lot of college coaches are at recruiting as well.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, th- As part of this clinic, uh, you're obviously one of the greatest goalkeepers in U.S. history. Is your focus on goalkeeping, or you obviously have a very wide
1: area of knowledge of the game? Um, I I feel like that's uh, one of uh, the things that I bring to the game as a coach is obviously uh, my specialty in the U.S. Olympic team uh, was goalkeeping, Um, so uh, I definitely know a lot about the goalkeeping position, but, uh, so. you know, been a coach since 2012, the D1 program, uh, you know, uh, and it's, uh, made it very successful and, uh, I'm very excited about where, uh, that program is going, uh, but, uh, know every position of the game. So, uh, for example, today at the clinic, I, uh, started off with the goalies, um, and coach Adam had the field players. And then, uh, you know, when we started combining everyone, we were coaching all of Got it. Um,
0: let's go. Let's do a little backwards talk. Like so, 1997. That's a Pepperdine's one and only NCA championship. For those who don't know about, basically, there's a the stranglehold on the championships by the Big Four. Pepperdine was the last one outside the Big Four to win a, a championship. You're now part of the GCC, which really only started in 2016. Is the has the establishment of the GCC? tended toward helping those teams get to the championship game I mean obviously Pacific's been there twice um, but maybe you have a different perception of like what is actually has been the benefit
1: of the GCC in general um, I, I just think that uh, you know establishing the G- Gold Coast c- conference has definitely been a great thing for water polo in general um, because like you said uh, we're the last team to win it. Uh, UOP has gotten close. We were at NC2A's last year and UOP, so two uh, out of right. four teams were at NC2A last year from the GCC. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that we're definitely a, a conference that is very successful with six powerful teams. Um, and it's just giving uh, recruits more of an opportunity to see now these other schools getting into the national championship games, which. Uh, You know, a lot of kids pick schools because of that. So uh, I think it's, uh, you know, making kids aware. And uh, I think we're definitely established as one of the strongest conferences. You look at some of the teams in the Gold Coast Conference that beat the MPSF schools. You know, for example, we beat Cal last year. We beat SC. um, UOP and Santa Barbara uh, beat those teams numerous times as well. So I I, I just think... um, the tides are
0: changing. Yeah. What are your memories of that 1997 match? Because it's the only one, as for my recollection, that's ever been played in Florida, if that's, if that's my recollection. What do you remember
1: about that entire tournament? Uh, it was just, you know, we had a special team that year. Uh, it's kind of funny, like, like you said, is, you know, pre-rankings, before season, we weren't, uh, I think we were ranked 4th or 5th. I, I don't recall, but we had to knock everyone off. Um, we actually went undefeated. Um, into the final tournament and then lost our uh, last two games before MC2As, which I think was a good thing. It kind of woke us up and made us feel like we weren't invincible, but we, we, had, we were strong on all positions and had depth. Um, you know, Coach Schroeder did a great job bringing the team together. Um, he's really good at that. Obviously, he's you know coached at every level and I think uh, you know he's a big part of our Olympic success as well which I'm sure we'll touch base about but uh, I think the championship team uh, for 1997 with Pepperdine one of the, the things that sticks out the most that I tell people and this is kind of what we build Pepperdine's philosophy on is it, you know you're you're going to win as a team. The best team is going to win. Uh, if you just plays like a bunch of individuals, you're not going to be successful. Uh, we uh, beat USC eight to seven in uh, sudden death overtime, and we had seven different players score. Um, so only one player scored twice, uh, and I believe I had somewhere around 14 blocks. Um, and so you know, it the true you know the true story of that is is. To show how it was such a team a team win is they couldn't pick one MVP they, there right. was three MVPs that That's game right. so I was one of uh, you know try MVPs uh, which is pretty cool yeah. to see yeah. it at a national championship level were you on your game that day is it something that do you remember that day I yes I remember I, you know it was one of those days where the the ball looked like a beach okay. ball for sure <laughs> uh, I will say what, one of the scary moments though was it was we were tied and SC had the ball and literally a man was wide open in front of the cage and he got the ball and then the buzzer rang and then he scored after the buzzer but luckily you know time ran out and so we ended up going to overtime and winning the game um
0: was it and i'm just curious about this because there are no ncaa teams in florida was it a little strange to be there or uh...
1: um i thought it was great okay uh you know it was, it was Obviously, you're in college and you get to go to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. It was great. Uh, You know, also I think it, you know, kind of isolated any true advantage. Uh, You know, uh, SC had a good crowd. We had a good crowd uh, that traveled, Um, so it it was good. And uh, I think uh, back then they just always had it: North, South, East Coast. Got it. Right.
0: We've reached the halfway point of today's podcast, and we'll return after this. Right about now, you might be expecting some song and dance about a product you don't need. Well, shush, we don't advertise here, and we want to keep it that way, so we sure would appreciate your help. Show your support by going to txwaterpolo.com forward slash donate so we can keep covering the sport we love in the great state of Texas. I'm US Olympian Janai Kerr and when I need to stay up to date with my water pole news in Texas I listen to the TX water pole podcast now part two of today's show Um, okay and we talked about this a little bit earlier um, the story is by 2004 you were out of the game and then and which is probably shocking to some people because your career ended it's not, even, it's not over, it's not ended, but your Olympic career ended in 2016. But you were back in the fold by 2006. Tell us a little bit about that because um, what you've told me before was that your coach, Terry Schroeder, asked you to come back. What was your thinking at the time? Did you think, I,
1: I'm not sure I can do this? Or did you think, I am really good and I have been overlooked? Uh, no, it's completely different. Uh, so I was one of the last people cut in 2004. Uh, you know was devastated literally a month before the Olympics uh, thought my dream of being an Olympian was done uh, and ended up uh, going into the mortgage industry thought I was done with water polo and was very successful at it ended up having a team of 14 people underneath me Uh, it was when mortgages were the mortgage industry was very lucrative and you know uh, was making great money um, and uh, two years later, uh, Ricardo Azevedo was the head coach, Terry Schroeder was the assistant coach. And when Terry uh, took the job, uh, him and Ricardo talked and they said, uh, you know, if we're gonna get back to the podium, which is, was our saying at the time, is get back to the podium uh, in 2008. Uh, but in 2006, they gave me a phone call and they said, Merrill, we'd like you to come back. Uh, you know, we, we want to get back to the podium, but we think we need the right goalkeeper to do that. Uh, my first thing was I've been out of the water for two years and uh, I said it would take me minimum a year to get into shape Uh, and you know coach Schroeder's response was that's okay we have two (laughs) Um, and uh, you know we talked uh, you know he he was my college coach Uh, I respect him he's like a father figure to me Um, and it was one of my goals is to represent my country and you know bring home a medal for Team USA and so I you know after a good conversation went into my boss's office and um, told him that i'm going to go back to team usa he thought i was a little crazy but i was close to him and at the time he's like well, what are they paying you i'm like it's not a money thing i make way more money here it's not even close uh i said this has just been always a goal and dream of mine and i have a chance to complete it and i'm gonna go back so i you know as i always tell people i put the suit and tie back in the closet and grabbed the speedo out and got to work and it took me a year uh to get back and it was not a it was pretty painful in the beginning uh you know because you guys know how it feels if you don't if you're not in the water for two weeks you know, it feels like oil. So two years was uh, brutal, but um, I got the chance and nothing was handed to me by no means. Uh, There was great goalkeepers training and I had to beat them out. And, uh, you know, uh, Brandon Brooks, great friend and was my teammate at the time. uh, Me and him battled probably uh, up until three weeks before the Olympics to earn the starting position. And uh, I earned the starting spot for 2008 and accomplished uh, one of my dreams. And then our story continued from there. I, my uh, total water polo started
0: in 2008 as a response to the, the games in in uh, Beijing. And I didn't have terribly, uh, any terribly big expectations for the USA team. In fact, I'd sort of been out of the game for a while, so I wasn't really up to date about this. You went on one of the great runs in USA water polo history, um, and I, I spoke to one of your teammates earlier about the game against Serbia, which remains maybe my single favorite USA men's team game of all time. Do you have any recollections that stand out about that game because it was very emotional from the Serbian point of view and you came out on top 10 to 5 if I remember that, yes, and, that is correct. score
1: correctly. Uh, yeah, no, uh, obviously we went into those Olympic games ranked ninth. Uh, no one thought we would do anything and bottom line is we just were consistent we we knew as a team like i said we our whole uh goal in saying that that quad was let's get back to the podium you know one step at a time and then um, you know we knew that we had uh a great core group of guys and if one guy was off the other guy would pick them up um, you know luckily we had a lot of guys on at uh, in every game almost right um but yes uh we lost to serbia uh in the preliminary round four to two which is like one of the lowest scoring olympic games right. and i think that was actually a good turning point for the team because if you only let serbia score four which they were favored to win. Yeah, they they were the best team on paper, and if they played together, they would have been the best team in the water too. Um, but we had a great game plan. We held them four to two, and so I think that kind of catapulted us. Like, look, we just held that team to four goals. You know, if we keep doing our job on defense, goals are going to come. Um, and you know, obviously, that game we won ten to five. Uh, that was probably my best international game ever. I had seventeen blocks. Um, everyone was on fire. Defense was on fire. Um, it's just kind of funny because Serbia beat us up so many times in the years past where, you know, we'd lose to them 17 to 5 and stuff like that. And so it, w- it was nice to give uh, them a lopsided win at, on the biggest stage for sure.
0: Is that something that you actually think of at the time? Because um – It was so clear, even on television, that emotionally they were a disaster. Like something just, something snapped on that team once they realized this team of Americans is likely to beat us at this point. Is that something that you recognized
1: throughout the game? Oh, well, they they just started trying to do it individually. Yeah. Uh, And they had some of the best individual players, but uh, ultimately the ball's got to go in the back of the net. And I was going to make sure that wasn't going to happen. So, uh, you know, I, I was feeling it that game for sure. Um, and it, it was fun. It was definitely one of uh, my, you know, most memorable moments for sure. There's a uh, there's a
0: almost a meme of you at this point. Uh, your big grin on your face. I mean, you see it on social media whenever somebody says, you know, we're so glad to be back in the pool. There's a picture of you with a gigantic grin on, sort of like a yes kind of look on your face. What, what game was that from?
1: Do you even remember? <laughs> uh, I don't know, but I'm a pretty emotional player, uh, if you ever watch me. so yeah. But I know which one you're talking about, but I don't think that was from 2008. Okay. Uh, because I think, uh, you know, as the Olympics went on, because of 2008, we got more publicity, for sure. Right. Uh, but unfortunately, as you know, uh, you know, 2008 didn't finish the way we wanted That's right. Uh, you know, we, as Team USA, you go in, what does Team USA do? they win gold medals. Uh, and, you know, obviously our saying was get back to the podium, but in our minds you want to go and win a gold medal. Um, and didn't really realize how special what we did was until my later Olympics. It took that long because okay. you got to realize you, you just finished the game, a gold medal game, and Hungary, one of the best teams in the world. And, uh, you know, I, I, would, I will say I was playing out of my mind the whole tournament, and I played average in that game. Um, and, uh, you know, to beat them, you have to be playing at the top level. We lost uh, not that lopsided. I believe it was 14-11 or 14-10. Yeah, they pulled away a little bit. At the yeah, end. yeah. But, um, but they were – it was 8-8 at half. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was, it was a good game. It's just uh, – it just didn't go our way. Yeah. And, um, you know, the biggest thing is, is uh, you, you sit there and you got the guys uh, that won the gold medal to your right cheering. You know, you got the silver medal with your head down, like devastated. And then the bronze is cheering because they might not even have got a medal. Right. So a lot of people don't realize, like, that emotion that's going through you is like, yeah, you did something great, but you're devastated. Um, and if you, you know, you look on the Olympic Games and watch the silver medal team, they're usually not too ecstatic because... You know, they, they, they think they lost the gold, not won the silver. But in hindsight, you're able to look back
0: on that now. Oh, yeah. much... well,
1: I've had, you know, like like you said, been three Olympics, three completely different experiences. Yeah. Um, you know, in 2012, we had the same team stick together except for three people. Uh, we all had big contracts in Europe. We played professionally for three years. We actually stayed home the year uh, of the Olympics, and a lot of us... Uh, you know gave up our contracts to stick together because we thought you know we wanted to win gold Um, and we ended up getting eighth place Um, and and that's when it really sunk in wow what we did was special because you know you're always playing for something and if you get knocked out before the tournament's even over it's uh, pretty deflating and then in 2016 um, you know I ended up uh, being able to play and be a coach so that was uh, also great and you know very appreciative of Pepperdine my athletic director Terry Schroeder to let me play and coach as well um, but uh, I thought we had a great team as well you know some veterans and a very young team I thought we had a chance at a medal and we ended up getting knocked out after the first week so every game is different and it makes you realize we're the only sport that you have to be consistent for two weeks You play the whole Olympic Games. Um, And so, for example, in 2012, we had a great first week. And then our second week, we weren't consistent. So um, consistency is key and teamwork. Um,
0: Did you have any sense uh, at that 2016 Games, and I know this is not USA related, but the Brazil win over Serbia was, it was Serbia, right? It was one of the most amazing games I think I've ever seen on TV, and at the time I said that that may be the biggest upset of all time, except for your defeat of Serbia in 2006. I don't know if you had any sense of that at the time.
1: No, because I think uh, they, they they defeated him, and Radko was their coach, exactly. great coach, um, but I don't think it was at the level. It wasn't a medal game; it was a, a preliminary yeah, that's round right. game, so. It's different, preliminary round is completely different than second week. Yeah, yeah, okay. Because it's not a knockout game. Uh, the water turned green, did it matter to you guys? Uh, no, so it's, yeah, we, we're gonna play. When you, it's all, obviously uh, some people might be a distraction, but it, it is what it is and you gotta, you know, that's why we have sports psychologists and stuff is, <laughs> you just gotta uh, deal with the elements and continue. Okay, uh, Meryl Moses, thank you very much for your time. Oh, thank you so much.
0: My thanks to Pepperdine assistant coach Meryl Moses for talking with me in a cavernous conference room in a Dallas hotel. If you're not already a subscriber to our little show, well, you should be. You can find us on most of the big podcast distributors. And if all else fails, then just go to txwaterpolo.com. Thanks for listening, for your generous gifts, for telling friends and family about the TX Water Polo podcast. And until next week, so long from Austin. Just
1: imagine all the things that we could do. I could spend it on myself
0: WP Sports LLC.